The Start On Demand. On demand. Friday's edition of The Start, it was McGarry and Milroy, Mackling and McNabb, both off. So Tom Milroy, Hall of Fame broadcaster Tom Milroy, stepped into the breach to fill in. And boy, oh boy, did we have fun, including speaking with cycling and transit advocate Allison Shane, who has a lot of great ideas on how the city can improve both We'll also talk, of course, about the Labor Day Classic. Bob Irving tees up the game. We talked to CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi about the Labor Day Classic and the Andrew Harris suspension. And we'll talk to a super fan in Saskatchewan who is pumped for the big game. And we want to know if you ever have work-related nightmares. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Tom Milroy. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb back together next week. This is the Friday, August 30th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, not quite today because Mackling is in San Diego. McNabb has fled for the weekend. So we've pulled in one of our big guns, another M. <laughs> the big gun wasn't available. From the house, Milroy. <laughs> Tom. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me this morning. Thank you for I'm, joining us, Tom. I'm out of here about 7 o'clock. Is that right? Is that how that works? I, I think so. I mean, you, should, seven, you, you strolled in nice. here at a quarter to 6 when <laughs> yeah. I got here at 4 o'clock. So. Wow. Yeah, I haven't come to work when it's dark out for quite some time. Yeah. Saturdays, I... Get up at seven on Saturday, so this is quite something. Well, it's quite something for me too, Tom. It's yeah. a real treat because uh, you know you're a radio icon in the city of Winnipeg. Yes, I used to I am. listen to you all the time on Q. Well, don't tell me when you're five years old. I don't want to hear that. Uh, I won't quite go that far. Okay, I thank you. I won't quite you. go that far. Yeah, uh, maybe eight, nine, yeah. ten, yeah. eleven. <laughs> 12. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's a huge treat to have you here. I mean, uh, are you still going to do your Saturday morning show at uh, nine o'clock? Or? Absolutely. Oh, okay. oh yeah. I'm thought... saving the eight material for then. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> so, you, so you don't have anything? Yeah. Okay. Because it was your responsibility to fill the show today. Oh, that's that's too bad. I love working in radio but for so long because you get no respect. You get no respect here. You're in the hallways. Christian Amell said, are you lost? <laughs> You, you know, you take a lot of flack. Yeah, or I'm telling a story, and Kyle said, "Okay, let's move on. We're, we're done with that story." Really? Yeah, time and, to go. And Tom Milroy, of course, the father of producer Kyle Milroy. So <laughs> lots of Milroys in this building. Kim Milroy at our front desk. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So many of you Milroys. You're I just, know. You're like a like a plague, like an infestation. <laughs> a plague. Yeah. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Infestation of Milroys. Yeah. Are Isn't you, that are, nice? Are the Milroys like one of the the signs of the apocalypse? I think so. Instead of uh, instead of locusts, it's yeah. just Milroy's <laughs> invading. Well, as you know, I have a, uh, a granddaughter now who's five five months old. So who knows? Okay, I think they're recruiting her now. Okay, so uh, yeah. you're wearing shorts today, right? Yeah, always. I wear them quite late in, into the year. Yeah. Do you own pants? Yes, I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just don't like wearing them. I don't wear socks either. Halfway through the winter, I don't wear socks either. Really? Yeah. Just so, the shoes. Don't doesn't that make your shoes stink? Yes, it does. Oh, I have, I have them on today. I'll take them off for you. Oh, good. Are you one of those guys who takes the shoes <laughs> no, off? No, no. When I'm alone, yes, but not when I'm with people. So, what is the the, de- the cutoff then? Like, when do the shorts come out of the drawers? Usually, um, I t- bring them out in April and put them away in October. Really? Yeah. So, what hap- What if it's cold? Well, you just deal with it. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. I know, but you have to in October, or else you start getting looks. You, you know, you look. People are reaching into their pockets to give you change. Yeah. You know, here you go, young man. You know, buy some pants. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know who I am? Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> you do take a lot of flack, though. I mean, how old are you, Tom? I'm 67. 67. So I think yeah. that makes you the elder statesman in the in the building. I, yes, it does. And uh, you take a lot of heat for that. Uh, yeah. you're, you're a good sport, and I, I will confess and I that I am the deliverer of some of those rather unpleasant messages. Well, it makes you feel part of the part of the gang. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. You so know. You, you don't mind being bullied because no. you want to feel included. Well, bullied is the wrong word, but yeah. No, oh. it's part of it. <laughs> it's part of it. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah. So today we've got lots of stuff to talk about. Of course, the Labor Day Classic is on Sunday. The Blue Bombers heading to Regina. To take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, their arch rival for back-to-back games, the Banjo Bowl, of course, next weekend. And we have lots 
to discuss on that at 7.45. Bob Irving is going to join us Good. on 680 CJOB. At 8.07, we're going to speak to the commissioner of the CFL, Randy Ambrosi. So we'll talk to him about Labor Day Classics and, as well, the situation with Andrew Harris. Yeah, I know. That's that's terrible. What timing? It'd be a worse timing, you know? The two big games of the year, Bombers are cruising along at 8-2, and two, yep. and then this happens. But get it over with, and, move, and we'll move on. Yeah, and yep. uh, hopefully the Bombers can uh, pull it together in time for the game. We'll find out what Bob thinks about it. And then at 8.37, and we spoke to this man a couple of months ago. This is a Bomber superfan who lives in Regina, and he reached out to the Bombers on Twitter because those lawn signs started popping up, those For the W lawn, lawn signs. Right. And he reached out to the Bombers and said, hey, can I uh, get one of those? I live in Regina. I want to want to display it loud and proud. So he's going to join us at 837 yeah. because he is super pumped about the Labor Day that, Classic. That's a brave man doing yeah. that in Regina. I mean, they take their football real seriously there. Have you ever been to a football game in Regina? No, I have not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't either. I've, ne- here's, I've never actually been to Regina. Which I've, is, I've only been once, actually, really? yeah. I stopped once in Saskatoon. There was a stopover on a flight, so I didn't even yeah. get off the plane. I was heading to Calgary, right? and I stopped in Saskatoon. That's it. That's my one stop ever in Saskatchewan. Well, I think Regina is like Winnipeg in many respects. It gets a bad rap, even for people who don't know it. Yeah, Winnipeg? And what do you want to go there for? No, Regina. Why? Why go there? Yeah. So I think we're very similar in that respect. And I know that we we like to take shots at Saskatchewan, but anybody yeah. I've ever met from Saskatchewan is among the most pleasant people I've ever met. Bob Irving, of course, is from Saskatchewan. Don't forget about that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I won't. I won't talk to him again. No. <laughs> or, well, you are sitting in Greg's chair, so I suppose it's fitting that you adopt Greg's mantra of hating all things Saskatchewan. Oh, no. No, no. With the odd exception I, for guys like Bob Irving. I wonder, I wonder if anything surprises Bob after all these years of covering football. Let's ask him that at 745. Yeah, I'm going to make a note of that right okay. now. Hang on. Let me just I mean, he, get my <laughs> clicky pen. He's seen it all, right? You know, and this was a, a tumultuous week with, uh, you know, Harris suspended for a couple of games and... Uh, Chris Matthews let go. He was, you know, signed to a three-year deal when he came here back in the spring, you know. So I don't know what happened there. Yeah. A lot there that we're not, uh, we don't know about. And, of course, the Couch Potatoes Assemble at 737 to talk about this week's new movies or new-ish movies. We'll explain what that means a bit later on. But Tom is kind of an unofficial couch potato around here. We were joking that it would, the, today's show would be four hours about the Marvel Cinematic Universe because Tom, yeah. like I do... Uh, loves the superhero stuff, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm sure we might have to get into that at some point, yeah. Tom. Yeah, I always marvel at how they run their business. You marvel at how they run their business. You know, thank you. You know, phase one, <laughs> two, three, and four, and now they there's a whole list of stuff coming up, even movies with no dates on them yet. They're planned and in the works. It's unbelievable. Yeah, they've already claimed uh, May 6, 2020 for the Black Panther sequel. That's right, So. Yeah. Yeah, they usually yep. get that first weekend of the, the summer movie season. So, lots to discuss this morning. <laughs> Hall of Fame broadcaster Tom Milroy <laughs> in studio with us this morning for Mackling and McNabb. They're back next week. So, if you're just tuning in and missed the sort of setup at 8.37 for this conversation, the quick recap here, the Reader's Digest summary, is last week after the Waverly Underpass opened. Uh, We put out a poll on Twitter, just a sort of quick poll, like, hey, now that Waverly's done, what should the next big infrastructure project be? And I can't even remember the options. One of them was extend Chief Pegwis West. One was widen Keniston. The other was Marion Underpass. And uh, the fourth one, I don't know. Uh, It doesn't matter. And uh, one person saw this and and (laughs) called us us out for the poll, saying it was it was too narrow. There wasn't. A, there was no option for cycling, and so I engaged with her and I said, "Well, hey, we <laughs> we were just asking for opinion. We even said in the tweet, if you've got another suggestion, share it with us, sure, because that's why we put these things out." So we had a back and forth on Twitter, and she, you know, eventually said, "You know what? You're right." And then it just so happened on Monday, I'm at the Grove pub at Grosvenor and Stafford, wonderful little neighborhood pub, for this beer judging contest between Torque Brewing and Barnhammer Brewing, the Battle of the Wits, the third annual Battle of the Wits in support of United Way Winnipeg, which Torque ended up winning. Congratulations, Torque. And 
I'm sitting by the bar where the judges were told to corral. And this woman walks up and says, hi, are you one of the judges? I'm one of the judges. And I said, yep. And she says, you look familiar. And I said, well, my name's Brett. And then she goes, oh, my God, are you the guy from Twitter? <laughs> and she felt so bad. And I don't know why she felt bad. And uh, Allison Shane is her name. She is a business owner of marketing agency Starling Social and a cycling and transit advocate. And we went on to have a fascinating conversation about cycling and transit. So I wanted to do it on the air. Allison, good morning. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thank we, you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so you've been here before to talk about you were part of the Vote Open. I was. Team. I was a spokesperson for Vote Open. And you are, you rode your bike here. I did. Do you own a car? No. Have you ever owned a car? No. Why? Um, they're expensive and I just never felt like that was something I needed in my life. I I grew up on like a really far suburb. I grew up in Riverbend, which is like right by the North Perimeter. And I hated taking the bus. And all my dad used to do was complain about this commute into downtown, in and out. And I remember being a young person being like, I don't want to do this. I I don't want to be this person who hates like two hours of my life every day. And that's not to say that every commuter does for sure, but that made a huge impact on me. So instead of Staying in my parents' house or moving sort of in the suburb. When I moved out, I moved downtown to Osborne Village. Then I lived in West Broadway. And now, big surprise, I live in Wolseley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. by, like, law, by law, you have to do that. I'm like getting progressively more granola the older I get. <laughs> but it does. Like living downtown changes you that way. Having those things accessible makes you like want to dig into that community a little bit more, at least in my experience. So one of the things that I noticed in that poll, we got a ton of responses on that Twitter poll about cycling. It should be have to do with cycling, better cycling infrastructure, active transportation, cycling, cycling, cycling. Uh, so I was that's I was happy that we put the poll out because mm-hmm. it was good to see the passion and demand for this sort of thing. So where do you think Winnipeg is at in terms of its cycling infrastructure? Okay, so um, I, this is a multi-layered answer. So I'm super happy with the progress we've been making so far, especially with the two-way bike lanes downtown that have been installed. I love that they're protected. I think the city is doing a good job moving in that direction. And I I really think like props to the cycling community in the city. They have been super vocal about pushing for this. And that's really super important. I do think we can do a lot more to connect suburban communities via cycling. Um, I don't often have tons of great things to say about Jeff Broity, but to his credit, he did a tweet thread with um, someone, a couple people that I know, and they did like a bike tour from North Kildon and all the way downtown. And they identified like where the city did a good job and where there are some paths that need maintenance or a path at all. And I think it's important that people, even if we don't always agree politically, it's cool to see people like that lending their voice to that discussion and helping like voters in their neighborhood think a little bit more about something that... If you don't cycle every day, maybe isn't something that you're always thinking about when you cast your vote or when you think about how you want to get around. Um, cycling's great, but isn't it scary? I mean, some of the motorists <laughs> don't really care, do they? It is really scary. Yeah. Um, I have been hit by a car a couple times. Uh, recently, uh, last spring, I was uh, cycling down Sherbrooke in the neighborhood where I live, and I was just on the street. Just on the, oh no, sorry, I was almost Westminster at Sherbrooke, my bad. And a guy pulled up in a car behind me and was honking the horn and screaming at me. And he's hitting the back of my bike with his car. And like, I know that every time any cyclist says something about a motorist, you hear, you know, cyclists are a problem and there's blame on both sides, of course. But it is scary driving around. There's a lot of aggression towards cyclists. And I really feel like the best way to combat that is to just advocate for separated bike lanes. Like if you're a motorist and you don't want bikes on the street with you, Talk to your city councillor, advocate for bike lanes. If you're a cyclist and you don't feel safe on the road, advocate for protected bike lanes. Like, that's a solution. I use Grosvenor. Okay, yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. Past Calvin High School in Mm -hmm. that area. And they had the dedicated bike lanes. Yeah. You soon get used to it, you know. It's not that much of a problem. No. And honestly, if we put a little more thought into how we design and widen some of our streets, we could put in protected bike lanes with a barrier so that that way, like, you know, if a car hits some ice or if a cyclist, you know, something runs out into the road and they skid, like, it's... My personal opinion is it's not just enough to have a colored lane with some like painted lines. We should have a barrier to some degree that's protecting people from cars and cars from cyclists. It's, it's a matter of safety, really. So is that then if if we if the city were to commit to the next major infrastructure project <clears throat> having to do with cycling, would that be it for you, the, the protected bike lanes? I think the protected bike lanes are certainly an important part of it. We could look at things like widening sidewalks or changing some areas where it's just not safe for people to be cycling on the road. 
Um, there are stretches of Pemina, for example, that have great protected bike lanes, but there are areas where it's too narrow and there's just nothing there at all. So we have to think about whether we're going to reduce traffic in that area, which I'm sure people don't want, or if we're going to uh, repurpose some of our existing um Sidewalks. Portage, actually, Portage Avenue would be a great example of that. If you, like most people don't walk down Portage Avenue. We drive down Portage Avenue. Yep. But if you look at it on either side, generally speaking, there's a huge swath of uh, like completely unused sidewalk. And like, yes, there are some like bus shelters there, but why aren't we looking at installing a corridor there and relieving some of the congestion around parts of downtown? Obviously, I'm not a city planner. I'm just talking about things that I see <clears throat> and what I'm hearing from people who also cycle. But I do think that we should be looking not just at protected bike lanes, but also how we can repurpose some of the existing infrastructure that we have to better accommodate both cars and cyclists and pedestrians, too. And people with um, disabilities, people in wheelchairs, accessibility is something we don't often talk about enough as part of these discussions. And I think that should be an important part of it, too. Well, you just spent one conversation talking talking about cycling. And now I want to switch gears and get some quick thoughts on what you think about transit. You mentioned you used to live in Riverbend. Mm-hmm. So what's that? 18 is the bus route? It is the 18 North Main. I have a tattoo of the 18 North Main because <laughs> I need to remember that I never want to take the 18 North Main again. Why? Because it's a hellscape. <laughs> um, it's a hellscape. <laughs> it is. Okay. That bus comes around like once every like hour and 15 minutes. And it is a minimum 45 minute ride all the way to Riverbend. I was at the very last stop and I had to do that a minimum twice a day. It was really like it made a huge impact on me. And I mean, to some degree, maybe some people would have been like, that's it. I need a car. Like, that's my solution. And my solution was I don't ever want to take this bus again. So I'm just going to move to a place where I don't have to. But yeah, I spent most of well, I guess up until I was about 21 taking that bus uh, in in and out of downtown whenever I needed to. What do we need to do to improve our transit. Oh my goodness. Where would you like me to start? Um, Where would you like to start? Well, you know what? I've I've been thinking about this a lot and I really think that the biggest challenge that Winnipeg has is that we aren't, we we need to take a look at what our current, where our current transit infrastructure falls apart and maybe rethink some of these routes and maybe, I don't know, take a sledgehammer to some of the parts that aren't working because our system is really inefficient. Um, I was reading an article. I don't know a ton about the strike going on between the the ATU and everything going on with the city, but I did read that part of the negotiations, uh, the ATU was asking for a five-minute break for every driver in between their shifts so they could get off the bus and stretch their legs and do whatever, in addition to uh, some other, I get like some um, uh, pay-related things. But the city came back to them and said, in order to you know accommodate this five minute thing, we're going to have to hire 41 new people. We're going to have to buy, I think it was like a like 30 new buses or something like that. They're going to spend millions of dollars to potentially give somebody the opportunity to sit down for five minutes. Like if that is the extent to which the city has to go to solve the problem of bus drivers needing a five minute break, we need to rethink the system that's causing this problem. And I think that the issue is that we have inefficiencies in our system that we're just not looking at because we're so scared of tackling the problem in the first place. It's easier to just keep band-aiding it rather than doing something big and bold. Yeah. And uh, one of my friends posted on Facebook yesterday uh, about his uh, fiance's daily struggle. He says her 813 bus was delayed 10 minutes. Before 8, they saw this coming, and then he put a screenshot of the, the website, I guess, where it tracks the buses. The 747 bus had been delayed 19 minutes. The 753 is delayed 13 minutes, meaning it's somehow past the 747 route. So this happens every single day. And then he adds, but seriously, let's keep arguing about all the money transit deserves to make. Well, and I think, you know, from a, again, I'm not going to speak to the ATU specifically. I don't know a lot about the negotiations going on, but I can understand why people feel frustrated. My major bus is the number 10 bus. And my number 10 bus is the first bus, at least from what I've been told from 311, that gets rerouted if they need something somewhere else. So often my bus never shows up. Oh my God. Um, I also got into an email exchange with the head of the ATU a couple of weeks ago over Pego. Um, I went down to the kiosk downtown to recharge my Pego card because it's not working. You're supposed to auto charge it online. That's the convenience of the Pego system. And someone at the Pego kiosk literally said, transit doesn't care. They're not interested in fixing it. The system's never getting fixed. So if we want to talk about areas where transit can be improving, 
why did we buy a broken system? They like there's been reporting from CBC and I believe uh, Global may have done something on it. CBC definitely did where they talked about the fact that they knew they were buying a faulty system before they implemented it here. That's not taking our transit seriously. That's not leading with vision. That's not implementing a system that gets people to take transit. Like I'm a transit advocate and it sucks that I have to come on here and talk about all the ways that transit sucks in an effort to try and get it to be better. Like that's backwards. I think you should buy your own bus. <laughs> what if huh? I did? Huh? <laughs> that would be amazing. Just stick my face on the side. I'm sure Winnipeg would love that. Okay, well, we, only have, we have about a minute left here. Um, well, yeah, no, that's what I've heard with that Pego has been. Pego has been. A Don't even get me started. Ever since, and and then too, you have uh, like if you live in a community that's kind of out of the way, you often have to take these like feeder buses that yeah. come once every hour and a half, two hours. How does that help anybody? Oh, exactly. I'm, and I would love to know this. So if maybe you can ask your listeners, um, is there a formal park and ride program in the city? Um, I lived in Ontario for a little while when I was younger and in the GTA, obviously, because there's millions of people coming in, they have a really efficient park and ride program. And I would love to see something like that formalized within the city to encourage people because like the city's going to keep spreading. The suburbs are going to keep happening, but we need to get them downtown in a more sustainable way. Well, I used to park and ride. I'd take my car to Kildonan Place sure. and then I would get out. But yeah, I, do they I think, have that still? I don't know. I think actually Polo Park got rid of theirs, but I, I need oh. to confirm that because uh, I remember scratching my head one day going, what? Okay. So I'll have to look yeah. into that. But Alice and Shane, we're out of time, but <laughs> your passion is yeah. sensational. Just Thanks get, for guys. coming in. Just get over your shyness. She'll be fine. <laughs> Alice and Shane, she is with Starling Social and she is a tra- transit and cycling advocate. <laughs> So you, uh, as we pointed out, you are an unofficial, one of the couch potatoes around here at 680CJOB. You love movies, you love television, Mm -hmm. and we have yet to discuss Global TV's fall lineup. Yes, starting very soon, obviously. Uh, Some even, I think, this long weekend. Now, there's Global, and there there are many platforms, uh, Food Network, HGTV, History Channel, and Slice, W Network, it's crazy. So if you want, you want to go through a few of them now? Yeah, let's give her. Well, we'll start with Global. New series called Prodigal. I've seen the trailers. Follows a criminal psychologist who gets inside the minds of murderers to help the police. But that's a good cast because, uh, oh, is it Michael Sheen? Yes. I, yes. So he plays the dad. And then the son, the prodigal son, is uh, the guy who played Jesus in The Walking Dead. Wow. So that's a great cast right yes. there. And it's an interesting it's an interesting sort of storyline that the dad is this He's creepy in this, really creepy. Yeah, so uh, that like looks Hannibal, good. Hannibal Lecter creepy. Okay, it, there's also the unicorn, but a group of close friends of family who help Wade, played by Walter, uh, sorry, Walton Goggins. You remember him from uh, what, Vice Principal, that series? Yep. yep, to embrace his new normal life after the death of his wife. Carol's second act stars Emmy winner Patricia Heaton as a woman who embarks on a unique second act after raising her kids, getting divorced, and retiring from teaching to pursue her dream of becoming dot 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 a doctor. Oh, another medical show. Yes. What a, what a unique and original concept mm-hmm. for network television. A doctor show. Are you being facetious? These are global shows, Brad. You got to be careful. You don't go talking bad about global shows. Well, I'm not talking bad. I'm just <laughs> I'm talking about the the lack of originality because <laughs> network TV. It's either doctors, uh, cops. Mm-hmm. And I think lawyers are the three big ones. Can I continue? And now it's... Fu- no. <laughs> You're the guest here. I'm driving the bus. <laughs> true. Right over me. Something called evil is a psychological mystery examining the origins of evil along the dividing lines between science and religion. Mm-hmm. You know who's in that? Who's that? Luke Cage. Since you tell you like the superheroes. Yeah, yeah. From the well, Netflix Luke series, well, there you Luke go. Cage is in that. So that looks cool. Returning shows include uh, Modern Family, the 11th and final season. I've always loved that show. Well, that's a great pickup for Global as well because that show has not been gone global historically. So they've picked it up for its final season. I confess, I I don't think I watched a single episode of season 10. Yeah. I love that show. I know. I just couldn't be. I know. They got a little too many cute kids on there right now. You know, um, but yeah, very clever writing. And Sofia Vergara has been on art since day one, 2009. Her accent is getting thicker. Oh, yeah. Well, that that tends to happen with uh, TV sitcoms, right? Where they they sort of, they play up 
their their either their catchphrases or their right. their accents or their mannerisms to the point where they almost become caricatures. It yep. happens on all the shows. Yep. Seinfeld, Friends, they all do it. There's an NCIS Troika. You got the original NCIS, then NCIS Los Angeles and New Orleans. Or as the couch potatoes call it, NCIS, NCIS Cool J because LL Cool J, oh, yeah, okay. and NCIS Quantum Leap, because oh. Dr. Sam Beckett is oh, in NCIS New Orleans. Okay. How about New Amsterdam? There's Bull, FBI, SEAL Team, SWAT. Hold on, hold on. Wait. Yo, I'm sorry. No, 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 nothing to be sorry about, but uh, Bull is the show based on Dr. Phil. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I have to watch that one. So it was Bull, uh, SWAT, you mm-hmm. said? Yeah, SWAT, FBI. Okay. SEAL Team, that's not an animal show. That's okay. like Navy SEALs. Yeah. Will and Grace... Don't get me on. Oh, never mind. The Good Place. Well, hold on. Well, you, you can't just dangle that out and then... Well, and then... they keep bringing these 90s shows back. Ah, okay. Come on, be a... Re- do something. Do something new. It did okay in the ratings. People I know, like it. I know it did. The Good Place. I should watch that more. Yes, you should. Very popular. It is... Uh, the Couch Potatoes heavily endorsed that show. It's uh, been a perennial top 10 finisher for yeah. us. It is... Maybe the most original comedy I've ever watched, okay. and it's got great visual effects. It's yeah. just super fun and creative. I think it, it might be a little much for a lot of people because it's way out there. Yeah, but it's a, it, it ta- it's about a woman who dies and goes to Where the is good she? place. Yeah, is it heaven? Well, that's maybe. I said we don't know. Yeah, uh, starting its third or fourth season, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Superstore. Hawaii Five O Superstore. Is it, have you ever watched that Superstore? No. Apparently, it is tremendous. Okay. Hawaii Five O. Yeah. It's been on for a while. Madam Secretary. Uh, Blacklist. That's that's yeah. The Blacklist. Yeah, I know. Mm. Keeps going. Okay. Uh, Survivor, which debuted in the summer of two thousand. I'm proud to say I've seen every ep- every season. Really? I still love Survivor. I don't know why. I still love it. When is that debuting? Is there a date there? No, there isn't. Okay. Well, I, I still love that show. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Same here. Jeff, great host. Uh, the Neighborhood. You got uh, MacGyver and Big Brother Canada. Okay. Mm-hmm. So do you have more shows there? I sure, if I have time. Okay. Well, so is that that's just global proper, right? Just global proper. Okay. So you mentioned yes. that they've got some other... Let's just pick some highlights. Okay. Some other platforms? Yeah. Well, um, HGTV... Uh, they got Flipper Flop, Love the List at Vancouver, Home to Win, and this one I'm looking forward to, the Brady Bunch House Renovation. Oh. Now you got these six <laughs> these six original Brady children. Okay. With help from the Property Brothers. Yep. They're popular, Jonathan and Drew Scott. Yep. They renovate the original show set from the 1970s. Neat. Isn't that something? That's cool. All six, all six kids. That's a great idea. Yeah. Those home renovation shows, uh, those house flipping shows, yeah. are huge. I know. Uh, returning shows in History Channel, Pawn Stars, Forged in Fire, Ancient Aliens, and Mountain Men. All right? And there's a Curse of Oak Island spinoff. <laughs> Yeah, there is. It's called The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Is that because they never found the gold? Is that what are they looking for in Oak Island? Was it gold? No. 15 seasons. Yeah, there's still. We're almost there. Almost there. Now we're going to find it. (laughs) And how about Slice? You got Real Housewives of OC, Dallas, New Jersey, and Atlanta. So many. Wow. They have they have a bigger franchise than NCIS or CSI. Did. Yeah. And we're both interested in this one. Uh, Pennyworth, the origin story of Batman's butler, Alfred Pennyworth. That's going to be on Showcase, right? Yes. Debuts Wednesday, yeah. September 4th. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC. I don't I don't understand DC's strategy, though. Like Marvel is try has this sort of cohesive universe and DC is just kind right. of flopping all over the place, going yeah. back in time with with Pennyworth. They've got another DC show as well, right? Yeah, there's Batwoman in a city desperate for a savior. Batwoman becomes a symbol of hope. And, of course, Supergirl and the final season of Mr. Robot with Rami Malek and Christian Slater. Don't forget Swamp Thing is in there, too. Swamp Thing, yes, sorry, Swamp Thing, yes. That's another uh, DC oh, sorry. show. Yeah, two-night premiere, Monday and Tuesday, this okay. Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, and Mr. Robot, uh, I never did finish season three, uh, but that first season of Mr. Robot is among the best seasons of television I've ever watched, so I think it's worth getting caught up on. And they did one, oh boy, was it an entire episode that was all one shot in season five? I love well, that stuff. Jeff Braun can confirm that for us. I can't remember wow. if it was one. No edits, just one shot. I think so. Yeah, nice. I think the whole thing was yeah. one single shot, and that that wow. it take, Usually, you see like a five minute scene that takes yeah. a lot of coordination, but to do an entire episode of television in one take, nice to see at least ri- to construct things. it to look that way. Yeah. 
Um, that's really cool. So, yeah. hey, thanks for the rundown there, Tom. There, there you go. A lot of shows in there that I didn't know uh, that Global had picked up. <laughs> McGarry and Milroy, Mackling and McNabb are back next week. Jeff Braun is here. Cameron Portress is here. Will Reimer is here. What was the name of the DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince song? Was it Nightmare on My Street? That sounds familiar. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, that song is in my head because we're going to talk now about work-related dreams and nightmares. And I guess this was uh, started with a conversation in the newsroom, Jeff, on Monday that I wasn't a part of, but uh, I understand that this is something you deal with. Uh, yeah. Well, it turns out that we all deal with it in some degree, and I I don't have it that often, maybe every couple of months, but it's a, a, a dream where I can't get from my desk to the news booth. (laughs) <laughs> in time for the newscast to start. And and it's just people in my way and, and just like <laughs> you're running and running, but you're not moving anywhere. And it's just and it just grinds down on you. And then it wake up just relieved. It's so weird. That is weird. Yeah. I think that 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 being dragged down like that happens to me a lot where I'm running in a dream and I, I can't seem to pick up any steam. And I read somewhere that it that's a reflection that you feel like you're being held back somehow oh. in your life. So interesting. Maybe there's something. I never even dream I'm running. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lazy Tommy. Yeah. (laughs) No, the one I had is similar. It's uh, I'm in the news booth somewhere. Yeah. With with no newscast in the days of uh, hard copy. Yeah. Yeah. Blank sheets. Blank sheets. Nothing. No news. And then it had. That's I've had a variation on that for years and years. I I had the exact same one, except it's you know it's I'm I'm going through the computer. I'm looking for a script, and I'm thinking, uh, and and, uh, the uh, the story and uh, this, and I'm I'm just muttering and stuff like that. That's that's my dream. I I get that one all the time. Heather or or Loren, one of them said that they their recurring TV nightmare was the camera goes on and the teleprompters all in a different language that they can't read. (laughs) Really? Yeah. That's wild. And uh, our friend, my friend Joel, who used to be a producer here, he still has, he doesn't work here in over 10 years, and he says he still occasionally will have the, a nightmare about the time he set the board on fire. I was just going to say, it was the time he set the board on fire. For those who don't recall that, because this is back when we were at 930 Portage, mm-hmm. Jeff, uh, what was the story there? He's, I think he just spilled his co- coffee on the board, and it started an electrical fire, and, <laughs> and it knocked started us off running the air. out of options quick. Yeah, it kicked wow. us off the air. The engineers for like 30 got us back on pretty quickly, all things considered. And then boss sent out a note about don't put drinks near the board. And <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember uh, our former boss Vic Grant. He put up, uh, he sent out a note requesting that that a shelf be put up in the back of the room for foodstuffs. But then, oh, then yes. I specifically remember the word foodstuffs. Foodstuffs. <laughs> I spilled water on my wireless keyboard uh, last month, and uh, they don't fix those things anymore at Apple. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. 120 bucks for a new one. So oh, there you go. Man, the yeah. worst one was, for all things considered, was uh, years ago with Adler. And because, he, you know, Adler relied on phone calls, if not... Not just for taking calls, but also for the interviews and stuff. And a minute before the show started, he spilled his own coffee on the on the phone bank. Yeah, so for he, sure. He couldn't talk to anybody on the phone for like two hours. What? Yeah. Oh, he killed and the he actual could, phone And he lines. couldn't be mad at anybody except himself. So and only Charles could fill that. <laughs> yeah, just by Which himself, right? Yeah. With his voice. Well, I think a lot of people in this. Out in the hallways, found themselves all of a sudden as guests on the Charles Edler show. Oh, my God. Uh, Will Reimer, just going to slide you? my cup of tea away from the yeah. board over yeah. here. I'm beginning to see a bit of a pattern because I have also had very similar dreams. Just a handful of times, but mine's, I'm in the news booth here, and instead of a script, something you can actually read, there's just a bunch of pictures, and I'm trying to make sense of what the story is through the pictures. I'm like, well, there was a car downtown it was doing things <laughs> and everybody's looking at me through the glass like what are you doing like say something and so yeah it's always like this pressure and and there's nothing there or there's something something not right the only work-related nightmares i ever have are they're not even really nightmares it's just of this fear of being late because i have been late yeah. specifically for this shift when i was filling in for you jeff Braun. I was. I didn't. I don't think I got up until six thirty. Oh. Supposed to be here at four thirty, oh, yeah. and uh, so there was no news anchor until seven thirty. I think when I finally got here. Uh, but so, no, no one phoned you. Well, the problem was my phone was my alarm. Oh, but it froze. So yeah. I couldn't. When I got up, I couldn't even turn it off 
Thankfully, it had uh, a removable battery. I had yeah. to pull the battery out to reset the phone. I had I had like 19 missed calls, went out and got an alarm clock that day. And maybe I also don't have these nightmares because these things just actually happened to me. Cam, you, you said that you had a nightmare about stammering and stuttering. Yeah. That happened to me once, and I've told this story before, but for those who haven't heard it, it was a Sunday night back in the old building at 930 Portage, so like probably 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Bob Pickin, the late Bob Pickin, he called in a report for the Briar. The Briar had just wrapped up. Sportscast is at 925. He calls at 922 to file this report. So we have to record it on the phone and then quickly edit it, turn it around. And uh, he calls and says, the Briar's over. Do you want to report? I said, yep, hang on. Put him on hold. Okay, go. And he records like a 60-second report. So I've got 90 seconds to clip this at the back and front. And I got it, and I was so proud of myself because I was still new-ish. Ran into the booth. I had three seconds to sit down, catch my breath, and read the sportscast. The Labatt Briar, as it was back then, has just wrapped up. And Bob Pickin has... uh, and I realized I didn't, I don't know where I put it. <laughs> I put it into the system, but I didn't put it into the cast. And uh, 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 just oh. g- got to find the uh, yeah. uh, Bob uh, Pickin uh, no. curling report. Uh, uh, it, I don't, it probably went on for like five seconds, but it felt like eternity. Well, I did that recently trying to, I was trying to update a tennis score and I guess the, and I was doing it live on the air for the live score and it, it didn't load and I couldn't find the score and oh God, that just happened to me a couple of weeks ago. It was awful. Yeah. And, and it's, it sounds, it's worse for you, right? But you know, I, I don't think it translates to the audience. They kind of think for like two or three seconds, it's, it's all over the place. But for you, it's like just, oh God, you uh, want to smash your head against the wall. My wife would always give me big sympathy when I got home. I made a mistake, which was almost every day. <laughs> She'd say, well, that was brutal. (laughs) (laughs) Text us your work nightmares. (laughs) 204-780-6868. You can also email brett at cjob.com. And Tom, what's your email? My email? Do you have an email address? (laughs) Oh, yeah. uh, TomJamesMilroy at gmail.com. Well, there you go. Yeah. Took him a second, but we got there. Right now, we want to talk about uh, a little bit more about what is happening at Polo Park because there is, I, I think this is kind of cool news. I mean, it's known as a shopping destination, but Polo Park could soon be home sweet home. Developers are proposing the addition of apartment towers to the area, but they may have some hurdles to jump at City Hall first. The proposals have identified a multi-block area adjacent to CF Polo Park. It stretches from Portage Avenue to as far north as Sargent between St. James Street and Empress and includes the old stadium site, which is just sitting vacant right now, Tom. One of the developers... How long has that been vacant, by the way? God, how many years has it been? Yeah, I know. And Target pulled out four years ago, right? Has it been that long? Yeah, yeah. I was surprised, too. One of the developers pictures the project to be similar to one being built in B.C. Global's Eric Pindera has more. It's an unsightly, weed-infested expanse in the heart of one of Winnipeg's busiest shopping districts. But now developers want to change the zoning rules to allow residential buildings around Polo Park near the airport. Apartment builds there are currently restricted to limit noise complaints. Although St. James's city councillor hasn't read the particulars, he thinks a mixed development could be good for the area. I would like to see us both have uh, an increase in residential development in St. James while making sure that the airport's operations continue to expand. Meanwhile, a city planning expert sees more mixed-use development as a positive, but says the Polo Park area is complicated in its mix of retail, commercial, and industrial land. It'll all come down to design and really the market will, will really set the tone as to uh, whether or not Winnipeggers are ready for it. Any development is far in the future, with the proposals first having to pass through City Hall planning committees, City Council, and an extensive city planning process. Global News reached out to Cadillac Fairview, one of the developers, but were told beyond confirming that they've submitted a proposal to the city, they would provide no further comment. Eric Pindera, Global News. So what do you think of this, Tom? Great idea. I mean, they're talking about, what, 1,900 residential units? Yeah, the Richmond Project uh, in B.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, includes 12 towers, 1,900 residential units, and a central plaza that connects parking, shopping, and residential. And Cadillac Fairview's proposal, which focuses around Polo Park and the former stadium site, would be similar, although less dense, 
to that project in Richmond, B.C. But that is ambitious. And I've long wondered why is that site just sitting vacant and why are they not putting residential there? Because they would fill that up so fast. I think so. Um, as long as they're not necessarily luxury units, you know, I don't want to, if it's condos, you don't want a unit starting at $500,000. You want it so most people could live there. Yeah. And uh, why not? I mean, we're getting to that point too. We have a house in River Heights. It's the two of us now. It's like, well, I'm going to start looking, you know. Really? Looking yeah, to downsize? Sure. sure. Just start. Not, not in the next year, but still you're looking around. And there's so much vacant space around here. I mean, uh, do, do something, yeah, do something with it. It'd be look great. So Cadillac Fairview is looking to get in on the action. Towers Realty is also looking to get in on this. They're focusing on the west side of St. James Street, south of Sargent and north of Portage. And that includes uh, what it's calling a mixed development. And the company says it has 18 properties that it's targeting for development. And they envision uh, the, the area being a place to work, live, and enjoy the entertainment industry. Cadillac Fairview's proposal also notes that the retail landscape at Polo Park is pretty close to saturation and suggests the addition of residential would help balance the mix of uses and ultimately result in more employment and further growth potential. I'd be curious to know, though, how this could affect traffic in the area. True. Uh, it could be, it could work one of two ways. It could, if you work in the Polo Park area, you could go live there, and then that might pull some cars off the road because you could just walk, or it might just create, it might just add a couple more thousand people who need to drive their cars into the neighborhood. Yeah, I know. Traffic's always a uh, a major concern. But this is, uh, I guess, a long way from them even breaking ground. But nice to see something go here. Something. And St. James Councillor Scott Gillingham, who says he hasn't read the particulars of either proposal, uh, would like to see more residential development in his ward. He says that uh, the, the Gillingham proposed the public service begin discussions with the airport to allow potential amendments to the airport vicinity bylaw back in 2016. He says there's been no new residential development in St. James, really, for decades, which is weird because, I mean, there's residential development happening all over the place, but he's probably right and. I, you know, yep. anything would be better than what's there right now. I know. I can't believe it's been four years since Target pulled out of here. Yeah. That was the most bizarre thing ever. The building, how long was it open? Six months? I Yeah, it was short. It was Brands, a very short-lived Spanking experience. new building and beautiful parkade and just vacant, like, right away. Yeah, I never actually went to that Target. I think no. it went to a Target once. It was the one at Grant Park. Right. And I found it to be overpriced, and I walked out. Mm-hmm. There you go. So it's, I have been to that building, though, now. I went there, what is it now, Winners? Yes, yeah, I went there. Uh, what did I need to buy? I needed to buy dish rags. So I went to Winners because I knew that they had nice ones, and I found some there. <laughs> I don't think they're called dish rags, though, are they? Well, Maybe dish cloth. Ah, I like dish rags. <laughs> yeah, I know. What's wrong with dish rags? <laughs> Nothing. Is it, is it sound negative? Does it have a negative connotation? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> previously owned. Do you have any previously owned dish rags? <laughs> the, the Property and Development Committee, by the way, is going to consider the company's proposals at their September 4th meeting. You can read more at cjob.com. We've also linked the story where you can see the map, the proposal map to our maps, plural, to our 680CJOB Instagram. We would love for you to follow us there and feel free to follow me too, at Brett McGarry. It is McGarry and Milroy, Mackling and McNabb, back next week. Thank you very much for joining us. We've got to talk some football now for the next little while. Labor Day Classic this weekend. Bombers and Riders in Regina on Sunday. And the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving, joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Bob, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Brad and Tom. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good, good. Since, you know, it's nice to talk to you since you refuse to be in my show on Saturday mornings now. <laughs> Well, I don't get invited anymore. I don't know. Did I did I say something, Tom, or what? Yeah, exactly. Bob, I was going to ask you, but you've been at this a long time. Uh, this has been a tumultuous week for the Bombers. Does anything surprise you anymore? Oh, no. No, nothing at all. I, I think the news with Andrew Harris was a real jolt. Um, that was quite unique and different, I would suggest. Uh, I wouldn't say it surprised me. Well, I guess it did surprise me. But, uh, no, I, I guess I've pretty well seen it all it's funny you know we're, we're talking the labor day classic and i was thinking about that i remember my first one as a broadcaster was back in 1974 and the bombers won that game and here's what i, I don't remember anything about the game 
But I remember we came home, and the day we landed, uh, the Bombers traded Don Jonas to Hamilton for Chuck Ely after they'd won the game and evened their record at 3-3, three and three, and that created a tumultuous response from the fans here in Winnipeg because Jonas had become something of a, of a hero. So that was my indoctrination to the Labor Day weekend game. Wow. How about um, uh, Chris Matthews? Uh, surprising at all that he was uh, cut? Uh, no, well, a little bit, I guess. I, I knew that he had kind of fallen out of favor. Um, he hadn't made some of the plays that were there to be made for yeah. him. And he wasn't being used very much. Uh, so I, I thought they would keep him around, Tom, and, you know, put him on the, the one-game injured list just in case something went wrong. But uh, they've decided to move in another direction. They feel good about the receivers they have. Obviously, they feel better about them than they do about Chris Matthews, or they wouldn't have made the move. So, you know, I, I, I will trust in the football expertise of the people running the program there, and they are 8-2, and two, so, yeah. you know, I guess it's hard at this point to question much of what they're doing. Moving in another direction. Man, I've had that speech about 12 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that direction is without you, Mr. Milroy. Yeah, well, that's pro sport, you know, and yeah. a lot of the, I talk to a lot of the players and of course they've seen it all and, uh, you know, players are released and traded and cut and they move as free agents uh, all the time. So, you know, it's nothing new and, and these guys get over it pretty quickly. I mean, uh, you, you know, players are more about their survival, I think, than, than anything else, first and foremost. Now they're all great team guys and all that good stuff, but, uh, you know, when a, when a player has moved on, uh, they got to you know, put their heads down and keep working, or they could be next. So the Bombers are eight and two. Saskatchewan in second place in the West at six and three. So without Matt Nichols at QB, without Andrew Harris at running back, what are the Bombers' chances of emerging victorious? Well, a lot of people would say, Brett, they're slim and none. Uh, you know, I don't buy into that sort of uh, story because last week when the Bombers went to Edmonton. Uh, they were sort of given up for dead. And what did they do? They beat the Eskimos. Now, they had Andrew Harris in that game. They didn't have Matt Nichols. They won't have Harris this week. I think their defense can certainly keep them in the game. And if their defense plays as well as they can play, I don't see any reason why they can't win the game. I understand that they're underdogs, and so they should be. The Riders have won five games in a row. They're tough to beat there. I would point this out, though. The Bombers won their season opener in 2017 in Regina, in New Mosaic Stadium. They won the West semifinal in Mosaic Stadium last year. So they have had some success there. It's never easy to win there, and they'll be sold out, and they'll be going nuts all the green and everything else. But uh, the Bombers do have some history of success there to lean on. What are the fans like, uh, Bob, you said you just mentioned sellout crowd. How would the, does the Saskatchewan crowd compare to a, a sellout Winnipeg crowd? Well, we'll get another chance to compare them uh, six days apart, Brett, when they, the Bombers play there Sunday, and then the following Saturday it's the Banjo Bowl. I would say it's similar. Uh, you know, the fans in Regina are unique. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and the green that they wear, is it's kind of mind-numbing, really, when you're in that stadium and all you can see is a sea of green. But there'll be lots of blue the following Saturday. I know the Bombers like to say they've got the noisiest crowd uh, in the CFL. They did that decibel-level measurement a couple of years ago, and, of course, in Winnipeg they claimed victory. And <laughs> Saskatchewan said, no, no, our decibel meter read higher than yours. It's all a matter of who's reading it, I guess. Uh, I would say they're comparable, though, in these back-to-back games, Brett. What's the forecast for Regina for the other uh, game? It's pretty good. Yeah, they, they, there's a chance, I guess, of some showers, but the temperature's supposed to be around 20 or 21 and there shouldn't be too much wind, according to the forecast, and that can always play a role in the game. So it's look, it looks like it's going to be a, a perfect day weather-wise. And, you know, it's an atmosphere unlike any other. I have to say that, and that's been the case for all the years that uh, I've been going over there. It's just, and not just in the stadium, all around the city of Regina, people are wearing their rider green. And, uh, you know, if you're a Bomber fan, it gets a little bit much, really. <laughs> what time's coverage begin, Bob? Noon pregame and the kickoff at 2, Winnipeg time. All right, Bob Irving, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, Bob. The Labor Day Classic is this Sunday. The Bombers and Riders in Saskatchewan. Bob Irving just joined us to tee up the game. Pre-game at noon, kickoff at 2 o'clock our time. And the commissioner of the Canadian Football League, Randy Ambrosi, joins us now live on 680 CJOB with more. Randy, good morning to you, sir. Yeah, good morning. Nice to join you. 
So I guess we'll start with the Labor Day Classics because this is an exciting weekend, not just for Winnipeg and for Regina, uh, but for teams across the country because we have the big game on Sunday and then a doubleheader on Monday. So is this perhaps the most special weekend in the regular season for the CFL? Well, it has been for me uh, going back for a very long time now. It kind of the beginning of that push to the uh, to the Great Cup and I know, you know, millions of CFL fans from across the country look forward to this weekend. It just so happens that these games this weekend are, uh, you know, there's some, there's ex- these are extra special. This, uh, this Winnipeg uh, Regina, the, pardon me, Winnipeg Saskatchewan game has got a lot of intrigue and there's some subplots to this game, of course, that are, that are, uh, that are out there. Uh, the Calgary Edmonton game should be very, very interesting. And uh, and then, frankly, I don't see Toronto going down the QEW to Hamilton with anything other than a desire to win, uh, to win that game and maybe and maybe knock Hamilton off its perch. So I think we've got uh, we've got a great weekend. Lots to look forward. We're going to have a sellout at Tim Hortons. Looks like we'll have a sellout at Mosaic. And I'm told there's there's a very real possibility we could have uh, a sellout in Calgary as well. So. What a great way to start the second half of the season. How is the state of the CFL, Randy, right now? You know, I, I, look, I think it's, uh, it, there's a lot of work that we have to do, to be perfectly honest. I feel very optimistic about uh, where we're going. Uh, you know, we've had a great season on the field uh, so far this year. Look, a little disappointing, a little disappointing in BC, of course, with uh, high expectations with Mike going to uh, you know, going to Vancouver in uh, in free agency, and obviously it's been a it's been a disappointing season for the BC Lions. Similarly, here in Toronto, uh, you know, those are two super important markets to the future of the league, and and we've got some work to do there for sure. Uh, but overall, it's been a great season. Our two point strategy is starting to take a hold. As I say, look, we're going to have three games this weekend. They could all end up being sellouts. I think that's that's a, a nice data point. Looking looking at the fact that our game is strong and uh, with an opportunity to get even stronger. But we can't ignore the fact we've got work to do. But I don't think there's a pro sports league in the world that doesn't have uh, challenges that need to be overcome and opportunities uh, as we have them to uh, to grow and be bigger and stronger. Got to ask you about Winnipeg Blue Bomber running back Andrew Harris, who's been suspended for a pair of games after a positive drug test found a banned substance in his system. He says it was from a contaminated natural supplement. But I'm curious, because Harris says he knew about the impending suspension for three weeks. Why did it take so long to to hand down the suspension or to, to make it public? Well, because the the answer is simple. There are processes and protocols that have to be followed. Uh, you know, there is a there is an A test, uh, uh, which is with the A sample, and and then we we are obligated to go to the players' association and the player and the team and advise them that the A sample has uh, has indicated that there was a uh, evidence of a banned substance. At that point, the player and the player association have an opportunity to request the testing of the B sample. That actually did happen, and that process takes time. And then once that B sample result comes, there's a there's a final step that's that's taken to decide whether or not. And there's a there's a time provided for the player and the player association to decide whether they want to whether they want to challenge the process and that, that second sample. And it's just that all of those things take time, but they are perfectly prescribed in our collective bargaining agreement. This is a, uh, something that I think we can be proud of that we've worked hard with the players to, to, uh, to align ourselves with a drug testing program that is a fundamentally designed to keep the players safe and to protect the integrity of the game. But all of those steps that I just described are perfectly laid out and prescribed in the collective bargaining agreement agreed to by both the players and the league. And they just happen to take time because each of those steps, all on their own, each of those steps uh, have a time requirement. But Randy, can't with all your power, can't you just wave the suspension for us? <laughs> well, <laughs> so the, 
now, so now you're referring to the superpower provision <laughs> in right. the CFL Constitution. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, I was I was advised early on to be careful how many times you pull out that superpower card. <laughs> yeah. Look, you know, the thing is, I loved Andrew Harris as a player yeah. before all of this happened, and I'm going to love Andrew Harris when he comes back. Not only does he, and you know this, not only is he an amazing athlete on the field. Uh, but what he does in the community and the commitment he has to the city of Winnipeg, and I'm a Winnipegger, and I love everything about what Andrew has done for that city as an athlete, and I'm going to be right ready to start cheering for Andrew when uh, when he comes back. Obviously, a mistake got made, however you want to define that, but I'll, I'll look forward to, to cheering for Andrew when he gets back on the field. Randy Ambrosi, Commissioner of the CFL, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Randy, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Oh, it's great to be there. And listen, enjoy uh, enjoy some football this weekend. All right, well, Randy. Pre-game once again at noon on Sunday. Kickoff at 2 o'clock. Bombers in Saskatchewan for the Labor Day Classic. And then next week, it is the Banjo Bowl Saturday at IG Field. And then on Monday, we've got two more CFL games. Doubleheader, Toronto at Hamilton at noon. And then Edmonton at Calgary at 3.30. We have someone on the line who has been waiting patiently we talked to him a couple of months ago in the headline at cjob.com from June 26, 2019. Bombers die hard in Saskatchewan. Looking forward to showing his colors with a lawn sign. And pictured is Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan Corey Shapansky supporting his team in enemy territory. He's at the Riders Field wearing his blue and gold gear. And he joins us now live on CJOB as we head into the Labor Day Classic. Corey, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Brett and Tom. Thanks for having me on today. So just first of all, give us a quick recap for those who maybe don't remember the story or didn't hear the story. What happened with the lawn sign? Sure. So I yeah, I reached out on Twitter. I uh, asked the Bombers for a lawn sign, say I was in Saskatchewan and that I wanted to fly some colors here. Uh, they got back to me, said that they would send me a sign and a little bit of a media blow up at the time and uh, a few different interviews. I got to do a, a CFL Instagram show called Game Time. It was it was a really exciting couple of weeks. And uh, lo and behold, they did send me the lawn sign out to Saskatchewan and uh, we proudly have been displaying it on our lawn, uh, thankfully, and to the credit of many of the Ryder fans, it's still there. So I'm quite excited about that. Well, that was our next question. Uh, how, how has the, re- the reception been to you? You know, it's been, it's been really good. Uh, everybody's been very respectful. I will, you know, to let you know that we have brought it in most nights, though. Uh, you know, trust only goes so far mm-hmm. and on a good Friday night in a small town, you never know what's going to happen. So the lawn sign comes in the garage most nights. Um, it's going to be an interesting weekend. We'll say though, because uh, the enthusiasm of the rider fans this week has, uh, has definitely peaked. They're, they're referring to this as their Christmas. Uh, we've gone through some unfortunate changes over the last, you know, 10 days or whatever with the Bombers, and uh, they feel it, they know it, and uh, the chirping is, is definitely ongoing. So, Corey, safe to assume you are going to the game? Yeah, you know what? I'm really excited because uh, out of my five years in Saskatchewan, this is the first time I'm getting to go to the Labor Day game in Mosaic. So I'm I'm extremely excited to be there for this game. Why haven't you been able to go? Well, you know, most of the time on the long weekends, we, we came back to Manitoba to be with family. So I, it was a sacrifice I had to make, and it was one that I was gladly to make. So I'd go spend some time with Grandma and Mom and stuff like that. So this time I'm, I'm headed back to Saskatchewan because I've been in Winnipeg all week. So I'm just loading up the truck after this interview, heading back to Saskatchewan to, uh, to go to Mosaic. Let's get your prediction now for the game, Corey. What's going to happen? <laughs> well, I, I truly believe like Edmonton thought they were going to beat us last week. Uh, the riders, they think that they're going to sweep this. They think that we're going to end up with the same record after these two games. And I believe that it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a close game, but the Bombers are going to come out on top. Are you having a party at your place beforehand, like a big pregame party? 
it's it's an early game, um, so it's uh, there will be probably um, some beverages cracked a little early, but we got to leave uh, our little town there about uh, eleven o'clock in the morning to head into Regina for it. But uh, the purpose of that is to do some tailgating, uh, to walk around and enjoy some of the festivities. And uh, I'm definitely going to be decked out in in blue and gold. And I expect to have a really good time and a lot of good conversations. That's right. You live uh, 30 minutes outside of Regina. What's the town you live in? It's uh, Sedley, Saskatchewan. Okay. So how many Bomber fans will be uh, going to the game with you? Uh, With me? Zero. <laughs> I am going with uh, four other rider fans. Um, I, I know that they're just as excited to take me with them, um, but it's also a little bit of protection walking around there. <laughs> oh, okay. So they're they're your gang, so to speak. They're your bodyguards. My inside guys. Yeah. Well, I'll hope we all hope it's a good game. And by by good, I mean we hope the Bombers win. Absolutely. I don't want to see us uh, with an eight and four record after this with. Uh, with the riders because I mean, as, as exciting as that could be for a CFL end, end of the year, uh, you know, we've been, we've been on top all year. This is our year for the cup. I want the cup. Uh, I know all the bomber fans want the cup. And if we can come out of this with a win, I think uh, it'll be a, a big uh, wind under our wings. So to speak, we're going to soar into that great cup. All right. Well, Hey, Corey Shapansky, thank you very much for this. Enjoy the game, man. This is going to be exciting times for you. The Labor Day classic uh, bomber fan in Saskatchewan. Uh, We wish you Godspeed, I suppose as well. (laughs) Be safe. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me on. Go bombers. Go. It is McGarry and Milroy. Mackling and McNabb are back next week. We have been promoting a contest at cjob.com for the last week and a bit where you could put your name on the contest page and throw your name in the hat for a $200 gift card to Staples Mm -hmm. and a $500 gift card for CF Polo Park just in time to get the kids back to school who couldn't use a little bit of extra money in their pocket. Are you kidding me? Getting ready for that. Supplies and clothes and backpacks. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows uh, the technology that is required now. The most most technologically inclined thing I ever needed when I went to school was one of those fancy calculators, the trig calculators, right? Those cost like 10 bucks. Wow. Didn't even have those then. We had a compass. You know what a compass is? The mathematical thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The big sharp... And, uh, sharp thing well, and, and you well, you probably yeah. had an abacus as well, right? Abacus, that's right, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we got We have a f- we have our phone number for our grand prize winner. So let's give this a whirl and see what right. happens. Here we go. Hi, is that Barb Roberts? It is. Hello there, Barb. My name is Brett McGarry from 680 CJOB from Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on the start. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah. So do you have kids going back to school? I do. Well, grandkids, yeah. In fact, you entered a a certain contest at CJOB.com. Holy cow, yeah. Yeah. You did, right? I did for sure, yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? What I, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. <laughs> the the $200 gift card for Staples and the $500 gift card for CF Polo Park are yours. What? You're the winner. What? Holy cow. Thank you very much. Congratulations. I'm excited. How old are your grandkids? My oldest one is six, and he's going into grade one. Oh, boy. How yeah, many, how many and, do you uh, have? Their other ones are starting uh, pre-kindergarten, and yeah, they're just little weenies, wee little guys. Yeah, so this, yeah. this stuff may be going to help out the family then to get them some extra supplies or maybe some extra clothes or shoes or whatever? Oh, hey, that's the grandmother's duty. Is it really? <laughs> totally, A yeah. grandmother's duty? I don't know that I ever heard that before. Full duty. <laughs> what, what else does a grandmother's duty entail? Uh, oh, I have a hundred rules. The one, the first one is give lots of hugs. The second one is be safe. Third one is is um, have fun. And the fourth one is um, 
negotiate with grandma. <laughs> ne- negotiate with grandma. Yeah. Uh, well, how in in what sort of fashion? Like, can I can I just have maybe a couple more chocolate chip cookies? Yeah, uh, or ice cream cones. Okay. What's rule number sixty-seven? Sixty-seven is when you're sitting on top of the playhouse. <laughs> Be always in a good mood. Do you actually have 100 rules, or did you just make that up? <laughs> oh, no, I tell them I have 100. That's one of Grandma's rules. Wow. So. Well, Barb, <laughs> hey, congratulations. We're happy that we can help you fulfill your duty as a grandmother and help out the grandkids as they get ready well, to that, go back to school. That is quite exciting for a Friday. Holy cow. Thank right. you so much. You're welcome, Barb. Barb Roberts, congratulations, fulfilling her duty as a grandmother, winning the grand prize back-to-school contest, $200 gift card for Staples, $500 for CF Polo Park. As the kids get ready to go back to school, I guess most of them it's Wednesday. I believe it's Wednesday. Yeah. Unless you're a Red River College student, then you already started. Yeah. Keep in mind, don't forget the 30-kilometer thing starts again, well, September 1st, Sunday. Yeah, Yeah, so it'll be in effect officially on Monday because it's Monday to Friday, and even though it's a holiday, it's Labor Day, the school zone speeds are back. And also don't forget, Louis Bridge closed for an extra week, not reopening until September 9th. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K. WPG. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.